It should be a wake-up call for European and national authorities to get serious about police brutality and access to justice for Romani people. Act for Roma lives! We live in a police state. The police have all rights. When they hurt a Roma person, nothing happens. Brothers and sisters, we must fight the system that kills our people. The death of Stanislav Tomas is not an isolated death. This debate should be conceptualized within the notion of structural racism against trauma. You are now listening to Smith's Kushti podcast, bringing you current news and views from Germany and across Europe. You can now listen to our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Welcome, Lacho Divis, Kushti Divis. I am pleased that you've decided to join me for the next 25 minutes or so to talk about something that is really important right now. I want to talk about and create some space to have a conversation about the issue of police brutality. This conversation has been really prominent within the Romani movement over the last couple of weeks. And what's really sparked this conversation was, which I'm sure many of you are already aware of, was the video that went viral that showed the tragic death of the 49-year-old Romani man called Stanislav Tomasz. Uh, this tragic incident happened in the city of Teplice in the Czech Republic. So I want to find out more about this specific case, but I also want to have a wider conversation about police brutality and structural violence directed towards Romani people on a larger scale to find out if this was an isolated case or whether this is a signal of a much more deep-rooted issue within European society. So I've lined up three people to talk to us about this situation. The first is Bernard Rourke from the European Roma Rights Centre, whose organisation is closely linked in with the case. The second is Josef Mika, who is a human rights activist and community organiser that is directly supporting the family of Stanislav Tomasz. And the final person I want to speak to is Sebi Fernandez. She is a PhD researcher examining the impacts of anti-gypsyism and police brutality directed at Romani communities across Europe and Latin America, and is also a militant of the organization Kaleyamenka. So first up, let's speak to Bernard. Last Saturday, I mean, for anyone who is not familiar with the situation, a video um, surfaced on social media. Now, this is really shocking footage. It was recorded in the town of Czech town of Teplice, and it shows three police officers um, restraining a young man, Stanislav Tomasz, one is one officer is holding his feet, another kneels on his neck for several minutes, while the third officer handcuffs him. Now, Tomislav can be heard, he's screaming as he kind of rides on the ground. And this goes on for a, quite a few minutes before he goes limp and silent under the police officer's knee. Right. Now, the immediate official reaction from the police was they approached this man when he became aggressive they were forced to restrain him and they called an ambulance they say the man was then transferred into the care of the paramedics and subsequently collapsed in the ambulance where attempts to resuscitate him didn't succeed 
and they said a doctor said the cause of death was a drug overdose and they ordered a, a court autopsy. Right. Now, um, this contradicts what we see on the video. We see the man go limp. I don't know how he could get up and then walk into the ambulance. He goes sort of lifeless on the ground underneath the police officers. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this post has gone viral, this video. It's been shared on social media and now more and more um, people are coming out to protest. Um, the Czech interior minister and the prime minister are both doubling down, supporting the police officers. And, I mean, just today, the Czech prime minister actually thanked the police officers for their work. He said they didn't have it easy. And he said that aggressive people cannot expect to be handled with kid gloves and that a court autopsy demonstrated that Tomáš did not die due to the police intervention. And his comment was, this is sad, but a normal, respectable person would have a hard time getting into such a situation. So immediately the reaction from the authorities mm-hmm. has been to discredit the victim yeah. um, and blame him for his own demise. This is not the first incident, and the Prime Minister has been known for the disparaging, disrespectful and overtly racist things he said before about Romani people. Um, this is a country where it was acceptable to refer to Roman official circles as the unadaptables. Um, this is a country where, you know, we've coercive sterilization of Romani women, school segregation of Romani pupils. Um, this is the history. And this these attitudes and this language creates a permissive environment where police feel they have a sense of um, impunity and can act in such a way. Mm-hmm. And they haven't learned the basic lesson from um, the killing of George Floyd. Uh, if you if your knees on someone's neck, it's quite like it's very possible that you can kill them. Experts on restraint have stated before that you should not be kneeling on on someone's neck yeah. and if when you restrain a person you shouldn't keep them in the prone position where their chest and stomach is on the ground because of the danger of what they call positional asphyxia because your breathing gets compromised if you're you know if you're in that position they're meant to turn someone so there's basic things that we know and lessons that have not been learned yeah. sadly this has led to yet another fatality i mean the george floyd case got a lot of um a lot of media attention worldwide what do you think the international response to this has been so far? Has it been enough? It, as for the general situation, like week in, week out in the IRC, we get reports of police misconduct and violence against Roma. We've got testimonies of collusion between law enforcement and far-right paramilitaries, routine ethnic profiling. They over-police in one district by finding, you know, constantly harassing people and then under-policing mm-hmm. when they fail to serve and protect communities from groups of right-wing paramilitaries. The police often conduct in countries like, such as Slovakia mass raids in Romani neighbourhoods and with many cases of serious injuries and deaths resulting from beatings in custody or during arrest. So this is not confined to the Czech Republic and it's not exceptional. Even, I mean, I can, you know, I can give you loads of yeah, examples, yeah. but um, from the shooting of the French traveller Angelo Garon. He was on he was on temporary release from prison. He didn't return 
in time and the police raided his family home mm. they shot him dead um again the state prosecutor without supporting evidence said a lethal response was justified because he posed a danger to the police and resisted arrest mm. we've had cases where let's say in the same couple of months in 2017 these um romani father and son collecting firewood in a bulgarian village of, outside of Bulgarian village of Bohot. Now, the police start beating and kicking them. Mm. The son survived a ferocious assault. His father died at the scene. The authorities said they were in possession of stolen pesticides and resisted arrest. In Romania, October that year, we got Romanian police shooting a man, Roman man dead. He was collecting firewood in the forest. Um, in attempting to apprehend those stealing firewood, the police officers had to use their weapons. And they said, under these circumstances, a person was injured and subsequently died. But we didn't hear anything from the European Union. We didn't hear anything from um, all these deaths went sort of, for the most part, unreported. The victims' names mm -hmm. long forgotten. And, um, and it hasn't, it doesn't seem to dawn on mm -hmm. the parallels between the sort of racist humiliation, routine brutality that's visited upon Roma by police forces across the continent. Mm -hmm. um, people haven't, it doesn't register as something that needs to be um, properly addressed. It's, it's why it's more than just police brutality. It's the whole justice system. Like in Slovakia, we had a case where Romani victims who were beaten and injured during a notorious mass raid. They testified as witnesses to the extreme police violence. And they ended up being charged with perjury. Now, the mm. prosecutor attributed the irregularities in the Roma testimonies to their so-called Roma mentality, which, according to a psychological expert opinion, is characterized by low trustworthiness, a propensity to lie, and emotional instability. So you have every... <laughs> so, you know, this is how the justice system gets perverted by sort of deeply rooted anti-gypsyism that this kind of stuff masquerading as expert psychological opinion can this can be a deciding factor that um the victims of extreme police violence should be charged with perjury now we all domestic remedies have been exhausted in slovakia and the quest for justice migrated from from there to the european court of human rights mm -hmm. increasingly when we can't get justice inside um the countries ERC and others um, are forced to take cases to the, you know, to get justice when it comes to issues of police violence um, and discriminatory behaviour against Roma. Um, Strasbourg seems to be, this is a long drawn out process and sometimes in the case of one case of victims in a pogrom, they had died by the time the course, they died of natural causes by the time justice was delivered in Strasbourg. Um, so, we're seriously concerned that this new EU framework, um, the Commission, the European Union, has failed to grasp the seriousness of the situation. They acknowledge there's a problem about policing, but all this they suggest all that's needed is awareness and anti-bias training for police officers, how to be a better police officer. Um, we respectfully suggest more needs to be done. There needs to be independent bodies who are, you know, 
free from the justice ministry, free from the autonomous from the police, who can conduct thorough inquiries into allegations of racially motivated police brutality. Mm-hmm. You know, the penalties need to be proportionate. Police officers need to know that if they behave in a racist fashion, they'll be out of a job. Um, and victims need to know that when they pursue justice, they won't be intimidated while that's going on. Um, so they, they need free access to free legal aid and they need a guarantee that they won't be intimidated during the course of any investigation. This is the kind of stuff that's needed. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem to be, there's no sense of urgency and what's different about this situation, something that's happened more and more, is that Romani witnesses and bystanders are recording Mm-hmm. instances of brutality on their um, on their mobile phones. So it, as in this case, it has gone viral. Tens of thousands of people who would never have heard of this event um, are seeing this sort of shocking reality of um, how this young man's life ended. International sort of media is picking up on the story now in a way that other cases of police brutality have not. And the obvious, I mean, reason is the parallels to what happened in the United mm-hmm. States. The and the fact that, yeah, and the mm-hmm. fact that we are witnesses to a man losing his life underneath the knee of a police officer. So I guess what we can hope to come from this really terrible situation is hopefully a light to be shined on the level of police brutality and violence that exists towards Roma people in European society. The, um, you know, the fact that it's so hard to seek justice in the countries that, that you're currently living, the, for the examples that, that you've, you've given, um, is really disturbing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, access to justice needs to be, needs to become this sort of old talk of social inclusion, old talk of, mm-hmm. um, better job opportunities and creating this and doing this is meaningless unless people have access to justice, unless people know that they'll be treated with the dignity that is their right. Um, And then unless there's, you know, what frustrates me is that in Europe, there's across Europe, the EU and policing, they've developed great capacities to collect intelligence and data across borders. Um, to combat crime, but they've never managed, it seems to be beyond their competences, to establish the fundamentals of anti-racist policing across Europe. Mm-hmm. Somehow, so they could do all the, you know, all the other stuff. There's no problem with cross-border collaboration and cooperation between uh, law enforcement and crime agencies. But when it comes to behaving in a manner that is consistent with EU values, with Article 2 of the treaty, um, nobody seems to have the competence to establish baselines in what is decent, non-racist behaviour among law enforcement officers. I mean, the Race Equality Directive doesn't extend to uh, policing. Now, for me, policing is a service, a public service. We pay for it. Mm -hmm. Those, you know, it comes out of our taxes. They pledge to serve and protect, and they need to do so without prejudice. And we need to be able to hold them we as citizens need to be hold them, hold them accountable for their excesses, mm-hmm. and um, and especially when it comes to the sort of mistreatment of all racialized minorities across Europe. Mm-hmm. 
Thanks, Bernard. It's been really interesting speaking to you um, and finding out more about the details of the case and and how it how it is an example, sadly, of things that people are experiencing on a daily basis across different European countries. So thank you. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye. Since speaking to Bernard, the European Roma Rights Centre have now contracted a lawyer in the Czech Republic to represent and support the family, and they've submitted a criminal complaint for the death of Stanislav. But there's no clear time frame, and they've warned people that the search for justice could take years. It's surprising to see the level and the scale of violence that they're coming into contact with on a regular basis through their work. So next, we're going to go over to Josef Mika. No, tak on, on má teda sestru už jenom jednu, protože před asi před 25 let. So now, there is only his mother and the sister Simona. The mother is old and suffers from Alzheimer's disease. She doesn't even know that Stanislav is dead. She is just starting to ask about him, since he didn't visit her for two weeks now. They live in Belina, close to Teplitsa, in a terrible house. They asked us to find a small apartment. Currently, we are collecting money for the funeral. I found an undertaker which provides a discount. The police made a briefing with the conclusion that the action was appropriate and that Stanislav died 39 minutes after his arrival at the hospital. That's a lie. The local police director, the general inspection of the police corps, the police president, the minister of interior affairs, the prime minister and the Czech president all expressed their support to the police officers. They all say he died on an overdose. But that's not true. During the last 30 years after the democratic revolution in Czech Republic, the police didn't manage to gain the trust of Romani people. There is no reason for trust. Since 1990, when they catch some of us, Roma, they beat us badly and do whatever they like with us. We live in a police state. The police have all rights. When they hurt a Roma person, nothing happens. Stanislav isn't a single case. This is the third case of death which I personally dealt with nine years ago. It was Ludwig Kaspar from Kinsberg, not Ohre, who was beaten to death by the police directly on the street. The official explanation was that his heart had failed because of an overdose, but he didn't take drugs. He didn't smoke or drink. He was a football player, a sports person. In another case, three to four years ago, in a pizzeria in Zatek, a person was beaten to death. A police officer held his arm and the pizzeria owner was beating him till he died. Stanislav Tomas is the third case I'm now dealing with. And I'm talking just about people who died. I'm not counting cases of people who were beaten up unconscious and put it in hospital. Often I can also see how they treat homeless people who show me their bruises on their backs and legs. They explain to me how the police draw them to a place where nobody can see and beat them. After openly talking about this case on the TV, people spit on me. On the second day after Stanislav died. I was again on the spot where he died to rearrange some candles which were too close to a gas pipeline. I went there to move them further away. And when I was sitting at the bus on my way back home, five women spit on me. At the spot, I also met an elderly man who was taking pictures. I came there and he asked me about my opinion about the death. So I told him in a normal manner 
that a human life has perished for no reason. He answered, you were on the TV, right? I confirmed. He first just went away to pick up his bicycle. But when he came back, he said, one more thing. I have to tell you, Hitler had the right plan for you. I asked, what does it mean to burn us all? And I was laughing. And he said, yes, exactly. You don't deserve anything better. And this opinion has 80% of the majority population. So Yosef makes it pretty clear that police corruption, police brutality, and lack of access to justice is common in Czech Republic. My last guest is Sebi. I want to have a chat to her about these reoccurring patterns in responses by governments that Bernard and Yosef both talk about that seems to be justifying police violence towards Romani people. So when you look at those cases happened all around Europe, what is curious to see there is the same patterns of narratives used by the state to justify that violence. Just look and then you see the same patterns, criminals, drug addicts, um, non-civilized. So these are the, the historic, these are the narratives that have been historically created about us and have been used as, as a method to justify that violence used against us. It's all the same narrative in all of the cases that I have looked upon. So this brings us to the conclusion to, to, to understand that it's not a Roma problem. It's a problem of the state, and we really should start to tackle it uh, politically. We must understand that we shall no longer center on implementing projects in, in Roma communities and, and, and so on, but we should start to question the system that, that produced them. Because if we look, what is the what are the experiences? of Roma people in the Mahalas. It's very important to understand how Roma historically and nowadays were created as the problem for mm -hmm. the state. Meaning our Romani pen is created as the problem for the civilized Europe. So therefore there is this common understanding that the only possible way of dealing with the uncivilized Roma body is through violence. Because it it is done in the name of public security because it is done in the name of saving the Roma from this, themselves, saving them from their own barbarian behavior. So, of course, police brutality is not an isolated case. The death of Stanislav Tomas is not an isolated death. This debate should be conceptualized within the notion of structural racism against Roma. We must understand that this is not a, de a debate about good and bad um, police officers. So we shouldn't center on educating police officers uh, how to behave with Roma. The issue it's not that police officers do not know Roma. And we have, we have had few projects like this implemented by different NGOs who, who claim that uh, it's a matter of not knowing Roma, so let's put Roma and police officers to play football together and then the issue will disappear. No, mm -hmm. Roma is not an issue of, of not knowing the Roma. This is an issue of having a Roman pen created as a problem for the European imaginary civilized country. No? Rather, we must understand that police brutality is just the most visible face of anti-Gypsism. They are the guardians of the white order, and we as Roma, historically and nowadays, are 
constructed as the bodies that bring disorder within the imaginary Europe where order is the principle. I want to say a big thank you to all of our guests who took part in today's podcast and to you for listening in wherever you are. What's clear is that there is a need to dismantle structural racism in the criminal justice system and the case of Stanislav Tomasz, well, it should be a wake-up call for European and national authorities to get serious about police brutality and access to justice for Romani people. It seems to have been stressed by everyone that the solutions that are coming as recommendations from the European Commission that suggests better policing in terms of anti-bias training is not good enough. But what is needed is independent bodies to investigate alleged cases of racist misconduct by police and for police to be made aware that racism is not going to be tolerated. Stay tuned for our next podcast where we'll be looking at how new legislation being brought out in the UK is set to criminalise Britain's Romani gypsies and travellers. See you soon. Tu es par les chacals, tu es par la bas, CRS 
n'en parlera pas Si tu crois encore à cette justice y a une chose, il faut que tu m'expliques Les flics sont protégés par la politique 